We want to continue in this series that we've been doing on, on what on the work of the Spirit in the church, and we're going to look at what is the Spirit doing? What's he actually doing? And we're going to look at uh, how the Holy Spirit unites us. And this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you'd like to turn there, that's where we're going to be looking. You see, the church is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. don't know if you know that, but that's where God is. If you want to know where God is today, here he is, right in the middle of the church. And we are the body of Christ, and that means that we're his body of flesh here on earth. And, you know, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be any church. There wouldn't be any church. So Mark Driscoll uh, said recently, just as a body without a spirit is a corpse, so is a church body without a spirit. Without the spirit, it's a corpse. And the spirit literally gives life to the church. It gives it breath. It gives it personality. He himself is the glue that holds the body together and enables it to function. We need his presence amongst us. And increasingly, I want us to learn how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, uh, to be led by him, to be inspired to hit by him, to think like him, and to obey him as he works amongst us, to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-inspired people. Amen? Uh, as Jesus says, I do what I see the Father doing. Well, how did Jesus see? By the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. And this isn't just for leaders, this isn't just for people that have got some area of responsibility, this is for the whole church. Then if you noticed, when we've been reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that Paul deliberately talks in the we, not the I. For the rest of the book he's I, but in this chapter he's we. He's talking about we, he's talking about the body of Christ corporately together. Every spirit-filled believer has the ability to sense the Amen of the Spirit in what we do and to be led by him so that we can unite together in knowing the purposes of God for our church. That's what we're looking for. So let's just read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 9 to 16. It is written that no eye has seen and no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And we've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. And the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. A spirit-filled people, that's what that picture is. That's what Paul is describing. I mean, did you notice during that passage how many times the Spirit is mentioned? 
It's almost every other word, actually. The Spirit is mentioned ten times in six verses. Ten times. The Spirit saturates these verses in just the same way as he must saturate the whole church. And it's all about his presence. It's all about his presence being amongst us. It's all about his presence in the church, living, moving, and breathing amongst us. So does he? Is he? Is he with us? Is he amongst us? I mean, before we go any further today, I've got to ask you that. When you've come together today, are you full of the Holy Spirit? It's really important, actually, because the passage we've just read says that what we're about to talk about can't be understood unless we're full of the Holy Spirit. These things that we're reading today about the work of the Spirit in the church are spiritually discerned. We can only understand them. They won't make sense to our minds. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. So are we full of the Holy Spirit? You know, are you full? The gift of God, Paul describes it, the spirit that has been freely given to us. Are we full of the Holy Spirit today? And Jesus says that this gift is given to every believer who asks. So have you asked? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to fill you? I don't mean just ten years ago, you know, when you had the baptism in the Holy Spirit or whatever, but have you asked today? Have you asked this afternoon? Have you asked as you've come into the meeting today? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to just fill you? Because we're told to be filled with the Spirit continually. So are you? Is his presence with you right now? Are you feeling his presence in your life? And you see, the only qualification that the Bible mentions for being full of the Holy Spirit is one. Are you thirsty? Do you want God? Do you want more of God? Do you want more of him in your life? Do we keep returning to him to drink deeply? There's that wonderful passage, one of my favorite passages, where Jesus stands up at a feast when most people are drunk, from wine that is. He stands up and he says, If anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow out from within him. And he goes on to say that by this he meant the Spirit, who at that point hadn't yet been poured out, but he has been now. He has been. Are you thirsty? Have you drunk today? Are the living waters flowing? Because this is what it means for the Spirit to saturate the church. You see, the church isn't a building, but it's a people, a Spirit-filled presence of God people. And you know, some of you just need a good drink today. Some of you need to take a deep drink of the Holy Spirit. And I said, Lord, I can't start the talk like this. It will cause chaos. But that's how we've got to start this talk today. We're going to start with the response now. And so I want to ask you then, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Let's just take a drink, shall we? Let's just stand together. And do you know, God turned up the heat today just as an illustration of thirst for me. Isn't he wonderful? Are you thirsty? 
come on, let's just drink, church. Do you know how to drink? Does anybody not know how to drink? Just put your hands out and say, Lord, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for you. Just fill me. Just fill me with the Holy Spirit. Just ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Don't be worried about what the person next to you is going to think about you. Just start to speak to God because I believe that God is just going to fill some people now. Just be full of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to go around and lay hands on a few people. I just believe that God wants to fill some people particularly. So what is the Spirit doing in the church? He's giving life to his church. What's the Spirit doing? He's giving life to us. Do you know if you don't drink, you die. If you don't laugh, you want to die. (laughs) Wow. You know, we're going to have to get used to God breaking out and us knowing not quite what to do next. We want the Spirit to have his way amongst us. We want you to have your way, Lord, and set people free here today. So I want to take you through some of the things that Paul is talking about in this passage about what the Spirit is doing in the church. And feel free to keep drinking as we talk, because I believe that this is going to give you something to drink. I believe these words that I'm going to share with you are going to impact you. And there are six things that Paul says that the Spirit is continually doing in the church. Six things, and they're all big things, but I'm only going to deal with three today. Uh, But I want to share them with you, because the first thing that Paul says that the Spirit is doing in the church is that he reveals truth. He reveals what's true. And it says in verses 9 and 10, it says that we haven't even seen. We've not heard. We haven't even conceived with our minds. We haven't even imagined what things God has prepared for us. Those that love him, you, you can't even begin to understand it. We can't. We can't get to grips with it. But the Spirit has... And he knows, and continually he reveals these things to us. He reveals them, literally the word there is, he lays them bare for us to see. That's what the Spirit is doing. We can't imagine it, but he reveals it. He shows us what his heart is for us. And it doesn't mean that we will necessarily know everything or understand everything. There will always be things that we can't quite explain or understand, otherwise it's not God. You know, God is more than our understanding. He's beyond our imagination. But it does mean that there is nothing hidden from us. He's not a secretive God in that way. And there are things that are there for finding out. There are things that are there for searching out. That's what it's like to have a relationship with God. And last week we were talking about the mature. The mature person is the one who hasn't arrived He knows that there's just so much more and there's just such a passion about that person and he's pursuing God, he's running after God because he knows there's so much more of him. 
He's beyond searching out. We're never going to run out of God. We're never going to run out of his beauty and his revelation and the wonder and the awe of him. You know, never get too casual with God. Never get too much like, I've got it all packaged up. Never try and box God. We can never get to the end of him. Paul prays for the Ephesians. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you know him better. I keep asking, I keep asking, more, Lord, would you give us more revelation, more wisdom, more insight into the cross, more insight into what you've done for us, more about your love. We need to know so much more about you. We all need to know him better. We all need to grow in understanding, to know the full extent of what he's done, because we don't grasp it all yet. What does it really mean to say that I'm a new creation? What does it really mean to be a new creation? There's further revelation for you of what that means, to be a new creation. What does it mean that my old life has gone? What does it mean? What does it really mean? There's more understanding for us. We really have been set free from the past. What does that mean? There's more. There's more freedom for us. And what about the church? I mean, how do we reign? How do we exercise the authority that's been given to us in Christ? There's more power for us. Did you know that the church of Jesus Christ is the superpower of the world? It is the superpower of the world. We have authority in heavenly places around the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What he says goes. Not what presidents and men say. The church is the superpower of the world. How do we release that authority? How do we know and understand these things? How do we step into that identity? There's more revelation. There's more understanding to be released to us by the Holy Spirit. You know, I was talking to somebody recently in our church, and I got permission to share this with you, but I got more, I got, uh, less Lord. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Um, I was talking to somebody in the church recently whose wife had had an amazing encounter with God. And God set them free from something that has been there for absolutely years, for as long as she can remember. God set it free. Amazing, amazing miracle. And he was talking to me about the dramatic change that's taken place in his wife. She's just unrecognizable. She's a different person. It's like I don't know her. That's how he described it. But there was recently a moment of stress in her life. And without thinking, she started to go down some of the old pathways. You know what I mean? Start to behave the way that you used to. And he really loves his wife. And he says he he stood in her way, (laughs) spiritually, and said, no, stop. You don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to go there anymore. Remember? Remember what God has done. 
you're not that person anymore because Jesus has set you free. And he described how his wife kind of stopped in her tracks and took a double take and then responded instinctively, oh yes, you're right. And in that moment, there was a further revelation of the work that God had done in her life. And she was able to just walk free again. We need a further revelation in our lives. We need more understanding to be unlocked so that we know the reality of what God has done in our lives. We need that. And for each one of us, there's been a change of identity. We're not the same people anymore. We're not the same people that we used to be when we did those things. The old really has gone. And there is this ongoing work of the Spirit in our lives that reveals this to our conscious minds because it takes time for our minds to catch up with the reality of what God has already done. And it often takes a work of of the Spirit of Revelation for us to see this and for us to cash the check of freedom that Christ has already written for us. So that's the first thing. The Holy Spirit reveals the extent of what God has done for us as individuals, but also for us as a church. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to bring that to our attention. Secondly, Paul tells us in verse 10b that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. All things. You see, the Holy Spirit is constantly searching. I don't know if you know that. That's what he's doing right now. He's constantly searching. He's not happy just to flit around on the surface of things. He's always diving down into the deep things of our lives. He's diving down into the deep things of our church. And even, Paul says, he's diving down into the deep things of God. That's what the Spirit is doing. He's searching. He's searching He's searching all things, firstly, all things. You know, in the church and throughout our lives, the Spirit is searching the deep things of us. He's searching out our motives. He's searching out our thinking. He's searching out our past. And through this, he doesn't do this to bring us to a place of condemnation. He does it to release us into the certainty of our future that he's given us. He does it to search and to remove and to release us into all that God has for us. How many people know that things from the past can hold us back? The Holy Spirit is searching those things and releasing them so that we can be released into all that we are and all that we're called to be in Christ. It's like a computer virus scan. And this program is called Sin Search. The work of the Spirit to make us sincere. Sin search. You know, somebody once said that God loves us the way that we are, but too much to let us stay that way. Did you know that? You know, some people are worried about the idea that God is searching me, looking at me. No, it's because he loves you. He wants the best for you. And do you know, I think... In my view, it's a sign of a healthy church, not that everything is perfect and that everything is just, you know, squeaky clean. On the surface, everybody looks good and smiles right. Everybody dresses beautifully. Looks right. Got the right image. 
I think the sign of a healthy church is that things come to the surface in people's lives. That's what I expect. That's what I expect. If the Spirit of God is moving amongst us, things are going to come to the surface. You know, it's how people's lives get changed. Things come to the surface because what God doesn't want to condemn you, he wants to deal with them. He wants to deal with these things. So when somebody comes and confesses an error of sin that God has been putting uh, his finger on, as somebody did to us just last week, do you know, my initial response is, I'm excited. I think, wow, that's amazing. God is searching us. He's, he's moving amongst us. And, and people are confessing things because they want to get things right and they want to move on. That's wonderful. That's a sign of a healthy church where the Holy Spirit is moving. Or when somebody says, look, I need help. I'm struggling in this area. I need to respond to something that was said last week. I get excited. I think that's amazing. I think that's wonderful. I'm looking for that. That's the sign of a healthy church. You know, church isn't meant to be this group of smiley, well-dressed people. That's way too surface. Image. It's not real. And actually I start to get worried if that's all I see and hear. A healthy church is a whole lot more grubby than that as the Spirit dives down into the depths of people's lives and, and brings healing, freedom, deeper works of repentance. And so I'll often pray, and Steve and I have prayed in our eldership meetings, say, Lord, search the church. Search us, Lord. Expose things. Don't let anything be hidden that shouldn't be. You know, bring it to the surface. We want things to be right in our lives. It's a dangerous prayer. We don't pray it too often. David prayed a similar prayer for himself, didn't he? Do you remember that prayer in Psalm 139? He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. (gasps) Oh, that's a brave prayer. Search me, Lord, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Reveal the roots of things, Lord. I want to be right with you. I don't want there to be anything hidden. I don't want there to be anything between us, Lord. Search me. Deal with things in my life. Are you brave enough to pray that prayer? And will you let the Holy Spirit search you today? Will you let him work in the roots and the depths of you and bring freedom there? You know, sometimes we can be like the proud housewife. It says, you can come in in all these rooms, but don't go in that room. It's an absolute tip. God wants to go into the room that's the tip. He's not interested in the bits that have been swept clean. He wants the bit that still needs work. That's what God's all about. God bless this mess, as I saw in one house that I went into. Spirit is searching us. There's no one like God. He searches everything. For the Spirit isn't just searching our sin. 
Paul says he searches everything, even the deep things of God. And verse 11 says, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. No one knows a person's thoughts. I don't know what you're thinking right now. You do. Well, in the same way, the Holy Spirit knows what God is thinking. We don't. There's no one that knows God like God does. (laughs) And so God, by his Spirit, reveals to us the treasure trove of God's thoughts and plans for us. I mean, wouldn't you like to know what God thinks? Wouldn't you like to know what he's thinking about you? You'd be surprised. You know, maybe you've already experienced this in some way or other, perhaps for the first time when you found out how much God loved you. And do you remember that time when I actually realized that God loved me? Found out what he thought about me? I remember when I heard Terry Virgo preach for the first time on grace. It blew my mind. I didn't realize that that was what the grace of God was all about. I thought it was something you said at dinner time. I seemed to be that naive about the grace of God. I had no idea how unconditional his thoughts were towards me. Incredible realization that came to me. I didn't have to work for anything or do anything to be accepted and loved by God. Are you aware of what God thinks about you? Have you any idea how wonderful he thinks you are? Have you ever spoken to a new father or mother and they look at this scrawny little creature that's covered in mess and whatever, just been born, And they're looking at this baby and you're thinking, oh dear, that's an ugly one. (laughs) But to that parent, it's the most wonderful thing. I remember the first time I held my children. It's the most wonderful, beautiful child in the world. Have you ever been held by the father like that? Have you ever laid back in the father's arms and heard him talk to you about how wonderful he thinks you are. I believe that God wants to do that today. I believe that God is wanting to hold some people today and just tell them how fantastic they are. You know, the Spirit is searching out the deep things of God in the church to extend our relationship with him, to bring us into further intimacy. He wants us to know what he thinks of us. What a God! What a Saviour! Wow!
Thirdly, Paul says that he gives us understanding. Um, Verse 12 says that we have what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. And literally, this understanding is freely given. This understanding is freely given. It's a gift. <laughs> it's the grace of God that, that we would understand. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to understand. And this word understand is amazing. I've unpacked it a bit. I've looked into the source of this word. And in Strong's it says, to understand is to perceive with the eyes or with any of the other senses. <laughs> To understand, to perceive with the eyes or any other of our senses. To perceive, to notice, to discern, to discover the full extent of what God has done for us. This gift is freely given to reveal the understanding that God wants us to have. He wants us to see it with our eyes. Sometimes, you know, we just spiritualize things too much. He wants us to see it with our eyes. He wants us to tangibly perceive the work of the Spirit in the church. It's got the same sense of what Paul says in Ephesians 1.18 where he prays the Ephesians that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened so that they would know the hope to which he's called them. He wants us to know these things. To know the hope that he's called you to. And this work, this work is evidential. (laughs) That means that it can be tangible, it can be touchable, it's discoverable. The work of the Spirit in our lives and in the church. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit that comes from his work amongst us. It's working in us, it's working among us and through us, but it's for all to see. It's like an adornment of his glory in the church and in people's lives. It's not just an understanding that we have with our heads, a kind of mental ascent, oh yes, that's what we should be seeing. (laughs) Kind of education, it's a growing and it's an emerging reality that can be seen in our own lives and the lives of people around us in the church. The work of the grace of God, because you see, the Spirit is at work amongst us in the church. We should expect to see lives changed. We should expect to see marriages transformed. We should expect to see people set free, sicknesses healed, and demons flee. All as an an outworking of the Spirit in the church, the work of the Spirit in the church. You see, the fruit of the Spirit's work should be weighing down the branches, should be hanging everywhere. That's why we love testimony. We love testimony because it's the fruit hanging. We can see the fruit hanging on the boughs of the church. All these things help us to see what God has freely given us through the cross, through the working of the Spirit in the church. Is that what you're seeing? You know, in your life, are you seeing some of the fruit? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are you seeing these things in your life? Are you seeing some of these fruits of love? Are you seeing joy and peace? Are you seeing these things? Have you seen it in the lives of other people in the church? Are you seeing other people's progress? Does that excite you? When you see people moving on with God and sometimes overtaking you and you kind of think, oh, let me catch up. These things are all evidence of the work of the Spirit in the church. And I've got to say that this understanding has completely changed my approach to how we pastor people. Uh, and it's taken me a while to see this, but uh, and it, because, you see, in the past, I, my tendency would be to adopt a very proactive approach to pastoral care. You know, because of my prophetic sort of leanings, I'd often go in guns blazing, put my finger on the issue, and boom, it explodes, and then there's mess everywhere. That must be what God wants. And I would rush things. I'd rush into things. And I pushed through things. And, you know, it didn't work very well. And so it was about ten years ago, through a conversation that I had with Jonathan um, from Church Central, that we coined this phrase which summed up a far better spirit-led approach to pastoring people. And we called it this daring phrase, the art of responsible neglect. The art of responsible neglect. And this is the approach that I use, so I'm going to explain it to you, but I appreciate that this is only just headlines. But what it means is that we take longer before we intervene. We give space for God to do something. We wait longer. We don't rush in. We wait and see what God is doing. It means we act less, but boy, don't we pray more. We act less because the tendency is, I want to go in, I want to fix it, I want to help. But I've found time and time again, when you do that too quickly, it's counterproductive. So we act less, but we pray more. We speak less, but we listen more. And it's so easy, it's so, t- so often it's easy just to say all the right words, say all the right sentiments. You'll be all right, just believe God. You know what it says in the Bible? Well, you know. That was kind of my approach to pastoral care in the past. It didn't work very well. Listen more. Listen more. Because when you listen to people, you hear what the Spirit is doing. You hear what the Spirit is saying. And you say, well, do you know what? What you just said there, that's God. God's speaking to you about that. You're right. You do need to put that right. You're right. The art of responsible neglect. We do less ourselves and equip more. Because you know the temptation is when somebody's going through a difficult time, you take things off them and you try and do it for them. And what does that lead to? Well, temporary relief is at best. Better to equip more, to train people, to help them to learn, to help them to grow, to help them to fish for themselves rather than keep giving them food all the time. The art of responsible neglect, it gives room for the work of the Spirit in the church. And, you know, it's because I've discovered something. The Holy Spirit's a better pastor than me. It's just like a revelation, you know. 
He's a better pastor than all of us. He knows the right time to do things. He knows just the right pressure to exert and when. And then he's very good at giving you the green light. And the green light can come through all sorts of things. It can be somebody comes to you and says, I've got a big problem. And you say, I've known that for years. I've got a big problem. Please will you help me? And suddenly there's a difference. I have so much more faith when people come like that than when I have to go in and try and make something happen. Just wait. Wait. See what God is doing. Learn to work with the Spirit. I could give you so many examples of this, uh, even from the last few weeks. But it's the art of responsible neglect. It sounds totally irresponsible. And some have even confirmed that feeling. That it might look like you're uncaring or that you're... You're not taking action when things ought to be done. (laughs) But believe me, often we will pray the most aggressive and proactive prayers for people. And you know, it seems like God likes to answer them. When we loose his spirit to work in people's lives and we say, Lord, I'm not going to get involved until you say, amazing things happen. I'd rather do this than interfere or rush the process of God's dealings in other people's lives. You know, sometimes if you move in too quickly, if you comfort too much, if you provide too much help, you will actually hinder and prevent the work of the Spirit in people's lives. But if we see something and then we pray and pray and pray, if we appeal to the Holy Spirit to do his work and then offer ourselves to be part of the solution, say, Lord, you you see that situation, Lord, it's so desperate, please will you intervene, do something, Lord. Pray and say, but Lord, if you want to use me in any way, here I am, I'm ready and willing, I'm on the starting block, ready to go. And he'll just say, just wait a moment, just wait a moment, okay, now. (laughs) And then suddenly, magic happens. I want us to learn to be led by the Spirit, you see. I want to learn that. I want us to learn that. I want us to learn to be led by him, to work with what God is doing. So much easier when you're working with God rather than trying to do it for him. With God, not for him. So what's God doing in your life at the moment? What are you seeing? What are you seeing? You should be seeing fruit. What are you seeing? Be encouraged with the fruit that you're seeing because the work of the Spirit is evidential in our lives. What is he putting his finger on at the moment? What is he searching in you? Are you allowing him to search you? What fresh revelation has he given you recently about his love? Or his grace in this last month, this last year? You know, over this last year, what progress have you made in your relationship with God? And what's the Spirit doing in the church? What's he doing? He's revealing truth. He's searching everything. He's giving us 
more and more understanding which he wants us to see growing like fruit of the branches of our lives. I want us to be spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-inspired people. Amen? Amen? Let's just pray and we'll close. Can we stand? Only because you might go to sleep if you're sitting down in this heat. Oh, do you know you guys are amazing? Wonderful. Holy Spirit, we just want to come back where we started and say, Lord, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? We want to be this Spirit-led, Spirit-fueled, Spirit-inspired, Spirit-obsessed people. (laughs) That's what we want, Lord. We want to see your work in our lives and in this church. And Lord, we want to give you all the glory. You're doing an amazing job, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing amongst us. Thank you, Lord, for lives changed. Thank you for people healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for people going on with you. Thank you for the fire of God amongst us. Thank you for those that are passionate for you, Lord, wanting to share the gospel with others, Lord. We acknowledge the work of your spirit amongst us, and we say, Lord, do it more. Lord, do more. You know, have your way. Lord, just go wild with us, Lord. Have your way amongst us. You're you're in charge here. This is your church. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen.